Hey, welcome to the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast, a long-form podcast designed to help you thrive in your life as well as in your faith. Yo, what's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast. Um, I feel like that's the name that's just going to stick. Um, and yeah, if you're new, sometimes you'll hear me as in Lita, sometimes you'll hear Remo, but we're way past that. Um, today, we have a very special episode, and I just want you to know like the work that it took just to get us on this podcast recording today. Uh, <laughs> lots of troubleshooting, um, scheduling conflicts, load shedding, but I re- genuinely believe that the man I've got on the podcast today can really add a lot of helpful stuff that will help you thrive in your life and faith. So yeah, wherever you are, um, thank you for listening, whether you're driving or running or eating or whatever it is. And we hope this is another conversation that you'll enjoy. On that note, I've got Dylan Pians here for you today. What's up, Dylan? Yo, what's up, Lita? How you doing, brother? Oh, you know, we're good. We're good. Um, we, like I said, we had so much trouble just getting you on, but it, you're here. Thank <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's good to be here. Uh, there was there was uh, a lot of schedules and conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So for the people who don't know who you are, do you just want to give us a brief intro? Who are you? What is it that you do with your life, et cetera, et cetera, along those lines? Yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah. So for those who don't know me, my name is Dylan Pience. I am 25 years old, live in Johannesburg. I guess that's important information. <laughs> um, I work at a primary school. I am a receptionist slash, slash assistant head of sports slash finance uh, bursa slash disciplinarian slash slash coach. I, I do a whole bunch of things at my school. Cool. Um, so what I do for, for work and then I also serve in our church. I am a teen ministry leader mm-hmm. in the East region of the Joburg Church of Christ. So, yeah, I, I think helping people find God is a great passion of mine because it was something that happened for me and it was extremely, extremely helpful. But I think we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so we can just jump right into that. So you said helping people find God, a passion of yours, because it happened to you. So can you just walk us through that? Um, when did it start for you and God? What's the story behind that? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll try and make it short. Uh, growing up, I always considered myself to be religious or a Christian, as, as I would call it. Um, yeah, I mean, we went to church um, occasionally. Like, uh, So my parents got divorced. We moved around a lot. So going to church wasn't really a consistent thing because we kept on needing to find new churches and things like that because we moved around so often. Um, and my mm-hmm. mom's not really an extrovert, so she didn't really enjoy going to big crowds of people. So <laughs> anyways, but we did believe in God. We prayed every night growing up as kids. Um, yeah, and then I think, yeah, just throughout school, you know, Christmas, Easter. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Easter, mm-hmm. Easter bunny, eggs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Christmas, Jesus died for us, presents. We get gifts. Um, I didn't really have, like, grasp what those days were actually about or anything, but I would say I was a Christian. Um, but then in my final year of high school, grade 12, 
uh, one of my uh, teammates on my rugby team um, decided to invite me out to church uh, one yeah. Sunday. And yeah, it, I was like, yeah, I've got nothing better to do with the Sunday morning. Let me go. I mean, you're a cool guy. I want to hang out with you. You know, let's go. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that day was the day that my life changed because as soon as I got there, um, I, it felt like I found a huge piece of my life that was missing or yeah. the piece of my life that was missing i i i got in got to church and i was just welcomed like family i was immediately loved by people i'd never met um i i got to witness a baptism uh, it, it's one of my friends from school I actually got baptized on that day yeah um and so yeah it was just a really cool experience just getting to be invited that sunday and i loved it so much that I kept on coming back every sunday and our church does midweek services and and all that and and teen fun nights and devos and all those mm -hmm. things i went to everything i could um yeah and i think just because i loved it so much and i was filling this huge gaping hole that i had in my life in my heart uh, yeah, in my mind, uh, uh, it was it was just a really great time. Uh, a couple months down the line, studied the Bible and decided to get baptized as well. Um, and here we are, seven years later. Um, I I still believe in Jesus. I still try my best to follow Him and everything He does. Um, I'm still now. It's my mission to to try help people who are in similar such circumstances or situations as I was in to find God and find meaning and find purpose and find love, I think, uh, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and so, yeah, the, the gaping hole that you spoke about, like the, the finding meaning and finding purpose, I think those are all interesting points. And so you've been a disciple for like seven years or you've been doing the Jesus thing for like seven years. Um, and so do you still find your... Do you, sometimes find your place uh find yourself in a place where there is no like where you struggle for meaning and purpose and even love or are those just things that you're totally secure in now oh that is a good question <laughs> i think i i wouldn't i don't know how do you put it i definitely still have moments and lulls and like dips in my Mm -hmm. just just uh, in my uh, mental issues and just in life in general when life gets rough life gets rough man and i think something yeah. that i i had to learn uh one of the biggest lessons i had to learn when studying the bible and deciding to commit my life to jesus is that i can never be perfect and life will never be perfect um it will never go the way you want it you'll never be able to be in control you it, it will just be a there'll be really tough times but there'll also be really awesome times and I think it just helped me grow in my perspective of life and things that happen in life. Because I think beforehand, I was very self-focused. I was very selfish in the way I just looked at every situation. I'm like, this is affecting me badly and I don't like it. And, and why is this happening to me? Uh, what did I do to deserve this? Um, yeah. all, all questions like that. And I was extremely self-focused. And I think the per perception change or shift where now it's no longer about me, but I mean, Jesus died for me. He died for all of us, but 
it's not about us it's about him i think that perspective change really helps me yeah when i get into those tough times because i mean i i suffer with severe chronic depression um mm-hmm. diagnosed by medical practitioners so i can say that (laughs) yeah i think a lot of the time some people say yeah they're depressed or struggling with depression and there's i i'm I'm not refuting that they're struggling with depression or anything but i think there are different levels to it um, but also every human being is different so i think everyone experiences things in different ways which is why that perception change was well, just so beneficial for me because I, instead of looking at it from an imperfect human's eyes, I've been trying to look at situations through God's eyes and the way he views things. And in the areas where I just have no clue, I just trust in God. I trust in Jesus that they will work things out for the, my, the best for me, that they'll make things happen the best for me, that at the end of the day, everything that is happening is there's a way that will draw me even closer to them and closer to that final prize which is eternity in heaven with them yeah okay yeah that, yeah, that was those you just said a lot of profound stuff really really quick uh, <laughs> amen so uh i'm gonna take us a couple of steps back um and so the depression because it's been interesting for me as well as, as a person who has depression, diag- like mental knows, diagnosed by mental practitioners. Um, and so, and I'm probably not the only one who goes through that listening to this podcast, but uh, I think let's take it a step back with depression. So you said it's chronic. Does that mean as in like you've just always had depression for as long as you can remember? Well, yeah, man. I mean, I started taking antidepressants from the age of six. <laughs> okay. That's really um, sorry. That's really... I'll... Okay. So, sorry to interrupt, but, like, that's really interesting because uh, that means you've been, like, struggling with depression for a while by the time, like, church stuff started yeah. for you. Okay. And so... Let's take like that initial introduction to Jesus, that initial, like, what was it like? How, what kind of impact did Jesus have on you when it came to, because I know you talk about a perception, a perspective shift, but like, how did that perspective shift like happen? Yeah. um, So I think to answer that question, I just need to kind of just set the scene of where I was at when I came to church for the first time mentally. So I think, um, yeah, rolling a few years back in grade eight, I was struggling with depression so much that like I skipped weeks and weeks of school. I'd just wake up. My mom would go to work early before us all. And then it was up to us to walk to school, go to school because we stayed like around the corner from school. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I'll just not go. Um, yeah. yeah. And so like my mom started noticing these signs and she um because at that stage i was off antidepressants but still on concerta and thing. I, I have a lot of mental things mm-hmm. um but yeah focusing on the depression um so in in my grade eight i ended up going to a rehab facility for young adults uh, or young adolescents who are struggling with mental illnesses and it, it was like a three-week program where you go to classes and you're taken out of the real world to try and like 
you, you almost remove yourself from all the stresses of the real world and whatnot. And you, it's an opportunity where all these psychologists and doctors and teachers and um, life coaches come in and you have classes with them and they teach you different like coping mechanisms. They teach you how to identify things. They teach you to be real with yourself. And it was a really great experience for me at the age of 14 because I think before then I was just really struggling with identity in my family because I was like the only one who was really showing all my struggles with mental health issues. Yeah. Um, my own siblings used to call me some really bad words, like mm. mentally retarded freak and things like that. And those were the people who were supposed to love and protect you. And so, yeah, yeah I just felt like a black sheep in my family, just not wanted, always a problem. Um, and yeah, so I think those things also just compounded on top of my depression and all that. So I got to a stage where I was just like, yeah, I'm done with life. I was either sleeping or gaming. I was in one of those yeah. two states. Yeah. And so I went to this rehab and then I got out with like a renewed focus, like, okay, I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to do it. And two years down the line, I see my mom really struggle with her depression and mm -hmm. her mental illnesses where so, so much that she missed taking her morning tablets. And she had like these insane panic attacks where she'd end up on the floor, like having a foot uh, with mm -hmm. foam coming out of her mouth. And that was just because she wasn't, she, she had missed her, her tablets. And, and that really shook me because I, I was like, I don't want to go down that same road that I have yeah. to be so dependent on medication. And so when I turned 16, I decided to stop all my medication. Um, which might not have been the best yeah. idea because by the time I got to matric, uh, grade 11 and matric, I had been struggling with thoughts of suicide. I had been struggling with thoughts of, you know, if I die, who's going to care? What's, yeah. what, what, is, what is me dying even going to? It's actually just going to be an extra expense for my family. <laughs> That's yeah. how I felt. Um, and that was, yeah, I just felt like I, I had no value in life like in the people's eyes that mean the most to me and it it hurt so much i'd go to sleep crying so many nights or i would just not put my hand forward or hand up to do things uh because i just had no like self-worth really yeah. uh, and growing up having that struggle i from a young age decided that i know what it's like to struggle with all these things and i do not want anyone to experience or go through the pain that I go through. So then I kind of got myself entrapped in this, uh, in this, I don't know if you know what the victim trap is, but um, I'm a rescuer as a victim. So all I want to do is help people with their problems and help them and help them and help them and always leave myself out of it. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what it does to me, how bad it is for my yeah. health, for my well being. Yeah. I always want to save people and put them above me and view them better than me. And that was kind of like what it was happening to me. So I was like, everyone is forgetting about me. So it's okay to forget about me. Everyone else is more important. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that really kicked in high school by matric where now all of a sudden, like, no, you need to do well in matric. You need to pass, you need to get good marks. Yeah. And then I just had a huge amount of pressure from from my family to to do well there but no support and it was just a, a really hard time all I wanted to do was play rugby was to do theater um, and I enjoyed going to school for certain subjects I mean in matric I was even teaching some of the maths classes because I was 
maths is a passion of mine and so yeah. anyways it was it was a time and that was when I got invited to go to church it was in matric where I was struggling the most with my lack of self-worth with my suicidal thoughts with my just you know it, I'm an oxygen thief on this planet right now because no one wants me and I'm not adding value yeah and when I got to meet God and 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 learn about how he views me how precious I am to him how valuable I am to him that he would pay the ultimate price the, that that his son would die for me and that he would sacrifice his son um, in a horrible horrible way so that I may be redeemed and ransomed uh, it just shifted my whole perspective towards myself and I think that shift also helps me then with all the different areas in my life that I was struggling with. Okay, cool. And that's because, uh, again, I mean, it's like we go all the way back. And so you, you've gone through all this. You're going through all this, right? Not gone through. Um, and, mm-hmm. and you get met by someone invited to church and then you get Jesus. And so what was it like for you? What like, cause I can imagine there could be some conflicts because you just lived most of your high school life, not believing that you're loved, um, not believing that you're worthy. And then now you, that's the only message you're getting afterwards. Yeah. Like, now it's like switched and someone tells you, well, no, actually God and Jesus value and love you. And so if you die, they are the ones who are going to care. And so what was it like dealing with those conflicting sides? Yeah, so (laughs) I think it was from the very first Bible study that I did. And all it was basically about was saying that the Bible is the word of God. It's inspired by God. It's literally you can take it as God speaking to you. And at that point, I was like, I'm a fraud. I'm not a Christian. (laughs) I've been lying to myself all my life. And then a couple of studies later, you go through like what sin is and how God feels about it. And then what repentance is and that's what God wants us to do to repent of our sins and turn to him Uh, and then we learned about or then we went in depth on Jesus experience of going to the cross of of being sacrificed and then being raised to life and I think in those studies I'd somewhere in those studies I decided you know what I want to go to hell and pay for everything I've done I I don't want to be saved by God I don't want to receive his forgiveness because i've hurt him so incredibly and that just uh, i mean it was a play my mind was just messing with me because growing up like i said i didn't want to hurt anyone and i wanted to make sure that no one else felt as hurt as me and when i realized that everything i or a lot of things in my life that i had done was like tearing god's heart apart i was like i am the thing i hated the most (laughs) i need to go to hell I need to pay for what I've done. And that was just because I saw so little worth in myself or had no hope for myself, really. I just thought that I was like just uh, down in a ditch and forgotten and yeah, no hope, no way of ascending, no way of, of being brought back to life or anything. And I mean, even my older brother, when I was baptized and like a bunch of my friends and my family got together just to share in that moment with me, my older brother said how grateful he was that I had found God and such an amazing group of people because he genuinely feared that I would wind up in a ditch dead somewhere. And so uh, if that's what my brother was thinking, that yeah. where my life was going and that's where I was thinking where my life was going I feel like that's 
pretty much the direction my life was going. And so yeah, I think just that 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 whole mindset of I'm not worth anything. Um, I I don't deserve things. I need to work to earn things. Um, just all those mental struggles that I had and those correct perceptions of life. It put me in such a bad spot that even when God was coming to me with his arms wide open, I was still like, no, I got to die. I need to turn away from you. I need to leave. I can't be around you. This is not right. I've hurt you too much. And I was still very self-focused in those moments. And one of the turning point pieces of advice that I received was from a brother called Fraser Pearson, who is unfortunately no longer here with us. Um, He told me that my decision or me choosing to stay separated from God, me like knowingly choosing to separate myself from God, it hurts him way more than any sin that I've ever done against him. Because now, before I studied the Bible, I didn't really know about how God views and how um, God just views everything and how what I was doing was hurting him or was like, a wedge between us or was declaring war against him but my mm-hmm. decision knowing now with all the knowledge that i had then like god is actually regardless of everything that i've done he still wants me but i'm saying no i'm i'm too selfish to accept it i want to pay for what i've done yeah. i think that advice that he gave me was it, it opened my eyes and my mind so much because it made me realize that yo it really is not about me and if I make it about me, I'm going to hurt so many more people. And it's just going to be a downward spiral, not only for yeah. me, but for a lot of people around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is insane advice. Firstly, <laughs> <laughs> And I can see how that would be a turning point for you again, because I think you're, what you've just, the picture you've just painted of yourself is that you're a person who really doesn't want to hurt other people. Um, and so, I guess now you get to that spot where you're worried about hurting God. Um, and so let's like take a couple of years forward to like now, I guess. And so when it comes to um, the struggles you've had, like with your self-worth or when you feel like, no, you actually, you've had it all wrong. You need to pay for all the stuff you've done or you're actually hurting God a lot. How do you deal with that now? because or yeah. do you still get to a place where you knowingly want to separate yourself from god and again if so like what's the difference between how you dealt with it then and what you do now yeah okay that that's a good question i think right now i i i can honestly say i've never wanted to separate myself from god yeah. um yeah since since being baptized and committing my life to jesus i i'm very I'm very headstrong and um, if, if, I, if I decide to do something, I, I give it my all and I do it with everything that I have. Um, I just throw myself at it 100% and go until it's done. And so mm-hmm. with, with choosing, and this was something I like really was wrestling with during that whole time of wanting to pay for my sins is that I, I was struggling with thinking that, you know, I don't think I can consistently have the mindset of, okay, you know what? God is loving me. He's forgiving me. I can go on. I, I, I did think that I would still 
persecute myself and blame myself and want to punish or be punished. And so I think when I was studying the Bible and when I got baptized, I made a decision with myself to, you know what, this is forever. This is for yeah. always and I'm in it now. And I think so just carrying that, it, it yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's easier said than done. Like, I, you know, um, mm -hmm. I can say that, Jana, 100%, I'm going to do this all the way. But life gets real, like I said earlier. And I'm not saying I haven't struggled with moments of, yeah, of not, not yeah. feeling worthy or anything. But I think I have, for me at least, I made a decision and I'm sticking by that decision. And regardless of how hard it gets, I know that there's always a way out. I think I did so many Bible studies around how God is always there to carry us through. Um, I think just, just thinking about so many different stories in the Bible about how God carried people through. Like if you think about the, the Hebrews, uh, when they got, mm -hmm. Uh, when when God brought them out of Egypt and then now they're wandering in the desert well right after they get through or get out of Egypt and the Egyptian army is chasing them they're like God you brought us here to die next to a river just so that we can be washed away quickly right yeah um, and then God is like I'll provide a way for you forward and he parts the sea through Moses and then uh, and then they go through the Egyptian army is destroyed. Now they're through and they get to Mount Sinai and Moses says, stay here, uh, keep watch and, and don't fall back to the idols. Remember the Lord your God while I go up to him um, to, to, to get, or he gets the, the 10 commandments and all the books and whatnot while he's up there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. while he's up there, the people turn their back on God and <laughs> start worshiping a golden bull. And then, <laughs> Moses comes down to find us and he's like, are you people that dumb? God has literally shown you time and time again. He showed you with the, with the plagues. He showed you with bringing you out of Egypt, showed you with parting the sea. He's like time and time again. Those are like the more known ones. The one I want to speak about really is that they were in the desert uh, for the 40 years and they, they didn't have water and they were groveling against Moses and against God. They were complaining. And, and so Moses goes to God and Moses is like, mm -hmm. God, you see these people, they're clowns. <laughs> this yeah. is what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Please just make them keep quiet. In essence, that's the picture <laughs> I get from those conversations. Um, because Moses is also like, Hey God, they want to stone me. It's not like they yeah. can stone you. So they're going to stone me. Please save me. And, and God says, okay, take the elders of each of the tribes and go out to this place, to this rock, and you need to um, hit the rock to, and I will bring water up from this rock. And I forget exactly where it is, but this, the, the way God sets that scene is he says, bring all the elders, so all the people who are in charge of the teaching, the curriculum, the knowledge, yeah. and the the storytelling of each different tribe to come and witness what we're about to do. God says, I will stand in front of you, Moses, in front of the rock. So he was in between Moses and the rock. And he said, you need to strike the rock for your salvation. And this imagery is that Moses swings and the Lord is before him. So Moses, in essence, is striking down God or not striking him down. But God is... Im with the imagery he has sacrificed himself to bring their salvation 
because the people keep on rebelling against him, he had to sacrifice himself. And I think that was just one of the stories in the Old Testament where, I mean, before I started reading my Bible a lot, I always thought the God of the Old Testament was a vengeful, wrathful, hateful yeah. God who just wanted to do things. But there are so many nuggets of beautiful stories in the Old Testament where God shows his love for people how he was willing time and time again to forgive them, to sacrifice himself, to show them even what he was going to do in the future through Jesus. Um, and I think just reading the Bible and seeing all those moments helps me a lot when I get into my, when, when I get into a headspace where I'm like, I'm not that I'm a rubbish. I, I have done the worst towards God. Then I read these stories or think about them and pray about them or I sing worship songs related to these things. And I'm just like, what am I even in the yeah. grand scheme of things? I'm an ant. I'm a grain of sand. And God chose to love me, this insignificant grain of sand in the universe. But to him, I'm worth the 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 most, the, the highest price ever paid. <laughs> so I think that, so having studied my Bible and knowing these stories and knowing how God views us, I think that really helps me when I'm in those places because I do struggle with them. But it's yeah. great to go back to these places and to talk about it and all that. Yeah, and again, there's a lot there that you said that you're. I think the the point that you made about um, God not only like valuing you, but actually like carrying you through stuff. I think when you get into a headspace or or when you hit a depressive spell or where your mental health sinks, as sort of tends to happen with these things, I think. The idea is that we think we need to like drag ourselves up um, and uh, go at it alone. And sure, sometimes we might be able to drag ourselves up. But I think the picture you've just painted of God, there's a God who is willing to pick you up and then walk with you for whatever distance that you can't bring yourself to walk. Um, and again, the Old Testament story that you use there of the the rock and God getting in between there and putting himself on the line so that his people can thrive and survive. I think those are all really good points because I think, I don't know. And so I guess leading me into the next question. So it has like the way that you see yourself, has that changed because of how God sees you? And if so, like how? Yeah, I would say it absolutely has changed. Um, I mean, I can just give a little story. So in high school, um, grade 12, the first team were, were called for a meeting and the meeting was to choose um, like the team captain and the vice captain. Mm -hmm. And so we had had preseason together. We'd seen everyone's leadership qualities and excuse me. Um, I, th I think on the coach's side, I was probably their first pick. Yeah. Um, and on a lot of the players' side, I was their first pick. But I had such little self-confidence in that moment or in, in that time where, and this was right before we started going to, I started going to church, that mm -hmm. I didn't even feel worth putting my own name down. I didn't think yeah. anyone else would put it down. I didn't think that I could put my name down because what am I really? I don't really bring that much to the team or anything uh they actually are the ones who help me who bring things for me and i just leech off of them 
Yeah. And so like in that moment, I put down two other guys' names and I don't know if this is what happened, but I genuinely feel like the coaches just looked at the names I put down and were like, okay, yeah, this is the captain and the vice captain. Um, Because it was exactly those guys that I put down and I spoke to guys afterwards and they were like, no, we put so-and-so and so-and-so. And and now in my investigation, I'm like, these numbers are not adding up. (laughs) Anyways. And so like back then that was what happened. And then our, vice captain got injured so he couldn't play rugby anymore and instead of having a team vote for it everyone was like no it's just it's dylan you're, you're the next in line you're the one who should have been there and yeah. i was like okay that's really cool and um i was like okay cool i'm vice captain but am i really anything i'm just vice i'm not anything and so even when i got like acknowledgements and things like that I I didn't really allow myself the the space to be proud of myself, like not negatively proud or whatever, but to just be like, yeah, I've earned this. My the talents God has blessed me with has brought me to this place. I just always pushed myself down and everything God was doing through my life down. Didn't give yeah. it recognition. And I think now, looking ahead, uh, I. Because like I mean, like I said in high school, I never wanted to be captain. Anyways, I was just like, uh-uh. I, I, I'm not gonna do this well. I'm just gonna mess up, whatever, whatever. But now, like I can say, recently in the last month, I've I was selected for the Gauteng mixed touch rugby team, and mm-hmm. the coach was choosing a captain. And in my head, in my heart, I was I was trying to be humble about it, but I was also like, now nah, I want to be captain. It will be a great time. I I believe I have a good shot at being captain. Yeah. Yeah. whatever and and i didn't get it and i wasn't like oh yeah i don't i didn't deserve it whatever i was like oh, snap okay um how can i improve myself and get there or and i was like how can i support the guy who's been placed in that role so it was no longer necessarily focused on yeah i'm not good enough it was focused on okay i still have a role to play in this team how can i best glorify god here and i think that was just that's just like one little example um i mean now ever since being baptized it's it's been my dream and goal to to be like in ministry to serve in ministry the last couple of years i got to be a teen worker yeah and then this year my wife and i were asked to lead the the teen ministry in the east region because the leaders who were leading stepped down and that was really cool because i was like hey amen we weren't asking for it necessarily uh, but we kind of felt like it was coming and then it came and it was awesome. And um, so, yeah, I think that's just one way because personally, I, I, I despise leaders who don't have leadership. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I used to think of myself, that I yeah. don't bring value. I'm not able to motivate or encourage people. I'm not able, able to galvanize people towards something. Um and I think now I just have a lot more self-confidence and self-worth in that I know what I bring to the table. I know how I can help. And I know that my, the way I feel about things are valid. I know the way that my, oh, I know that if I feel hurt, that I'm allowed to feel hurt. I mustn't yeah. just put it aside. And I think all these things, they, they, everything's just improved because of God's love for me. Because he loves me, I'm, I'm learning to love myself more. Yeah. which in turn then allows me to see myself worth more, to, to, to give myself more confidence.
confidence to to better my self-image and all that and that really helps with my depression but that doesn't mean that i don't struggle with it still yeah 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 and from where you explained that you came from at the beginning of this podcast at least that's those are like insane shifts in perspective in personality and self-belief um and the fact that god can do that with you to me blows my mind because i think there are so many people who don't get out of that cycle um but we have we can bring them out and so i know you said you're strapped for time um and so this conversation could have gone a lot longer and maybe we'll have you back for part two who knows but um i want to leave you with the last word before we leave and so i think we asked this question on the podcast a lot and so we're going to ask it to you um but what's one thing that you could give people that you think would help them thrive in their life and faith today i think it would be hmm okay what would okay (laughs) (laughs) this is hard man (laughs) one thing is so hard um but something i think really beneficial and at least something that i've learned so much is that you can never know everything so always ask questions seek understanding um and 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 pray for wisdom i think that that's definitely one of the things that have helped me because i mean if you, you that can be applied to everything i've shared today how yeah. i was seeking uh, wisdom in God's word and that was where I got the stories of how God loves us of how he is us and all that um, just in life about speaking to people and all that I, I, yeah I think always ask questions um, yeah it, it's it's one of the best things I think because we'll never know everything there's no ways we can ever know even even a quarter of all things in existence that's 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 god's department so as long as we seek god and and his wisdom yeah uh uh, amen okay cool thank you very much for being on the podcast bro amen brother thank you for having me uh i'm definitely down if there's a part two three four five no i'm just kidding (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah it's been a great time bro thank you so much for this all Cool. Peace. Peace, homie. Thank you for listening. For more thought-provoking conversations, subscribe to the Rima Klale Life and Faith Podcast. Please like, review, and share so that we can continue to help others thrive in their life as well as in their faith.